0: Welcome to Black Health Matters. I'm Daryl Armistead, your host. This episode is a Zoom recording of Howard University group session, led by Dr. Clive Callender.
1: But anyway, it's interesting though that they talk about the real risk is, uh, not so much the flying, but, not, yeah. but getting to the plane. <laughs> <laughs> getting away from the plane. That's where you run into all kinds of people in all kinds of situations and uh, social distancing is kind of difficult
2: uh, on those lines. Now I'm wondering how they could track anybody, you know, so many people travel, how would they, you know, trace, what do you call it? Trace. Co- contact tracing for yeah, plane yeah. travel, that's got to be a, a nightmare. Yeah, because you go so many different places on the way to the
1: plane, uh,
3: changing flights?
1: Oh, we're not necessarily changing flights. Going to the, you know, you got to get, get, first you go, you get the ticket, you you uh, go stand in line, and then you go through the, uh, get your bags and everything, and then you walk, uh, you're transported one way or the other through the rest of the station. It depends on how big a station it is. Uh, and for many of the stations, you have to go a long distance. Sometimes, like in uh, Nashville, it's not too bad, but it's still some places it's long distances. So, so you come in contact with a lot of people as before you even get to the plane. So, being on the plane isn't uh, the lone source. It's everything you come in contact with before you get to the airplane itself. Standing in the lines, all that. So.
2: You know, I was just thinking that they would screen everybody coming into the into the airport. Screen only means that they 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 find if you have a fever. That's, right. just, that's that. Not, but that that's not, that would that would be a disaster too because it would take up so much time. They 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 they, they I believe they they do that
1: some locations they do check your temperature. But I mean, what that that doesn't mean much if you're taking Tylenol. So. Mm. So, that, but they
2: are doing that to some extent, yeah. but that doesn't, that's not the real test. Has anybody here been on a plane since this thing happened? I haven't.
4: No. Nope. No. I understand that they're training dogs now to um, um, pick up whether or not someone has covert. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's interesting. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, that doesn't sound right. Of a dog, what are they doing? Uh, sniffing out?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Did that
3: anyway. So, but uh, uh,
1: I don't know if they they finished the training process. But mm-hmm.
5: anyway. I don't think so. I think it's still in in uh, a testing phase. Oh,
1: I see. Now, uh, I think we all know that. Rest, eating indoors in a restaurant is uh, uh, dangerous.
4: Yeah.
1: And uh, <laughs> while people have masks before they eat, they can't have masks while
2: they eat. So. Right. so most, uh, most people are talking while they're eating, so that's pretty <laughs> awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 That's among the now, of course. Restaurants open and many places, movies open. So, uh, who would dare to go to a movie? Well, I guess like going to church. I guess, huh? Mm -hmm. Uh, Recently, they have been talking about the the problems in the D.C. with uh, people being honest with contact contact tasting contact. Tracing, because sometimes they're not willing to, to so-called rat on their friends. Uh, and uh, that's, that's becoming an issue uh, with contact tracing. Uh, we're suspicious anyway, and uh, because you're paranoid, so. It becomes another issue in, uh, in D.C. They've talked about the fact that uh, so many people are not willing to talk about where they've been and who they've been in contour.
2: There you go. I mean, a, a, a lot of people uh, <laughs> do not want to for anybody to know where they just came from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. And uh, and then if you tell
1: on somebody, then they're gonna they they're gonna go to them. Yeah. and and,
2: and, and, and they know it came from you. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> JB said he was over John Tatum's house. <laughs> so what were y'all that's, doing over there? Okay. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So
1: it's it's it's, it's interesting uh, how this six months and the next six months are going to be.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be the next twelve months.
1: Well, the next six months could be very interesting, as will be the six months thereafter. Uh, the, the next six months may be interesting because we may have a vaccine, uh, but that still remains to be seen. <clears throat> foods that fight memory loss. This is an interesting article that uh, uh, talks about uh, those foods that prevent you from having cognitive decline and and those that accentuate uh, cognitive decline. What about jellyfish? I don't know. Well, they talk about fish. They don't specify jellyfish. They talk about fresh fish. uh,
2: Uh, fish. There's a uh, uh, medicine, I guess it's, I don't know what you call it, uh, a supplement it's, it comes from jellyfish. They've been advertising a lot. Oh, I see. And, and they've been using it for years. And people will say, yeah, my, my memory came back. I'm doing a lot better. I'm sharper." Yeah. Like yeah. Jellyfish. Yeah, they have, they
1: have that and other medication that they allege. As a matter of fact, I got a, a call about Aricept, which is a medicine that's allegedly good for it, uh, although most of the studies don't uh, back it up. But then green leafy vegetables, uh, mm-hmm. they're good for almost everything, I guess. I guess the worse they taste, the better they are.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, I guess most of them like collard greens and spinach,
2: huh? Yeah. spinach.
1: Yeah. How about kale? You like kale, Jim? I don't like it. Yeah. I no. never
2: buy it or eat it, but I like
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> uh... And they're suggesting one serving every day and other vegetables. Uh, they give you a range of. Uh, it's, it's interesting that um, one of the better vegetables that, that we have, I don't even think is in here, and that is uh, sweet potatoes.
2: Oh, oh, yeah. Yes. Doc, what, what about Brussels sprouts? I hate Brussels sprouts. They're good. They're good. Yeah. Yeah. They're good for you? Probably. Yeah, they're very good for you.
1: I hate it too. Yeah, <laughs> California. That's all you have. They just that's like uh, apples. But look at the range of of vegetables they can talk about. You know, yeah, and, uh, corn, which is uh, nothing. I mean, it goes in, and comes out untouched.
4: Right. But anyway, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. And then of course nuts. Oh yeah. That's uh, especially walnuts they, they talk about. Uh, and then of course, uh, the blueberries and strawberries uh, are good. And then of course, Daryl and the beans. <laughs> Daryl's always talking about the beans and they are particularly good for you. Daryl, any comment about that?
0: Uh you everything.
1: <laughs> With everything.
0: Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I just always make exceptions for the hybrid foods like spinach. But oh, can- yeah. avoid those. Mm.
1: Whole yeah. grains, back to that. Um uh, yeah. what 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 is the best source of whole grains? Carol, any ideas and thoughts
3: about that?
0: Yeah, avoid the uh, the process. Anything that's white, white flour. Well, of course, white flour is never going to be in whole uh, whole grain. Uh, wheat is a hybrid, so if you could substitute that with spelt flour, you're better off. But it's spelt would be a whole grain. Spelt and flax are both whole grains. Mm. Mm. Fish. It's
1: interesting that the, what surprised me about that is that they. And they said eating, you only have to eat fish one, one fish meal a week. Uh, So, uh, and then they emphasize that it shouldn't be batter dipped or fresh, a fried fish. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes we we think fried fish is good, but uh, the fresh fish are what they suggest.
5: Is it any
4: fish better than the other?
1: Yeah, they talk about salmon, and they talk about, um, what, what's some other? Fish trout, trout
2: rain,
1: rainbow trout, especially. Yeah, trout and tuna, and tuna. Yeah. yeah, those three, they talk about more than any others that are supposed to be good.
0: Yeah, avoid farm-raised fish, because they're full of hormones and antibiotics. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, Do, are, they, are they required to indicate if it's farm-raised? Yeah. Yeah.
2: yes. Also, though, um, the uh, the tuna, there's there's concern with mercury because they, being a, a, a high order predator, they seem to uh, concentrate mercury.
1: Yeah, well, uh, yeah, all of those, yeah. Yeah, that, that is a side effect. Mm-hmm. Poultry. So, winner, winner, chicken dinner, huh? a good? <laughs> <laughs> so, just eating chicken or turkey at least twice a week. And fried chicken and chicken
2: nuggets don't count. Uh, So I I I qualify for fishing poultry. That's all I eat, basically, except for for Sunday. Mm. What do you eat on Sunday? Breakfast. Oh, okay. Bacon and eggs and sausage and cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Once a week, Once Uh, a week.
0: We're old enough to remember chicken of our childhood. It's not nearly as big of chicken as chicken of, of today. <laughs> With all the bad stuff.
1: Olive oil has been linked to this. And a lot of people, they don't, everything they cook is in olive oil.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I use to cook.
1: Yeah. Then, of course, this is one of the interesting wine, But they, they emphasize that only one glass of wine per day. But uh wine apparently is very good for the brain and helps the brain uh eliminate
2: waste. I have a question about that. Um why why wouldn't uh grape juice be as effective as wine, except for the sugar part? Why 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 does it have to be alcohol based? I can't answer that
1: question. Any ideas?
0: Yeah, alcohol has no benefit. You go with the grape juice. And anything uh, when it talks about juice, it usually has sugar added. Or, of course, the sugar isn't a good thing for you. Uh, if you just want to get down to the source, eat grapes.
1: Sounds good to me. I love. Grapes. Doesn't the uh, the wine come from grapes? Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah.
1: Now, this you're not going to like this one. What to avoid? The ten foods that you need to avoid. The red meat, butter. Stick margarine, cheese, oh no, cheese, cheese. sweets fried oh, no. or oh, no. fast food. <laughs>
4: oh my goodness. That's everything. <laughs> that's the best part of the food. Oh. <laughs> <no. laughs>
1: that's that <doesn't laughs> funny. It, it, it tells both sides of the story, so that's uh, mm-hmm. all you can add.
0: I avoid the whole list, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> my okay. goodness.
1: Right along. Now, this, now, I wonder how, uh, well, of course, there's an article that they, they changed their minds, but uh, remember that they said uh, you don't need to get tested if you're asymptomatic? Yeah. Yeah. And now he says 40 to 45% of infections are asymptomatic, which uh, makes you wonder about CDC. Absolutely, they've been having so many changes.
6: I know. Yeah. I hate to say it, but it's proving what Trump is saying, and I don't want to say that. But uh, Fauci and others, CDC, they've reneged on a couple of things recently. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not, not Fauci.
2: Not Fauci, right? CDC. CDC. Yeah. Yeah. Mm CDC has been embarrassing.
4: (laughs) Oh yeah. Yes.
2: Aren't aren't they controlled by the uh, president? No. I think so.
4: Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. They're getting a lot of pressure to uh, yeah. the White House. Well, well, no, The they, way they say it, not the president,
1: the White House.
3: That <laughs> 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 mm-hmm. yeah. hey, Dr. Callender, uh, we yes. got a special guest on the line. Uh, his name is Rodney Stepp, and that's our cousin uh, from Indianapolis who contracted COVID-19 Uh and if he would not mind unmuting and and greeting everyone
7: well good good morning everyone
2: good morning morning.
7: morning. Uh, Welcome. thank you thank you you. so it's a definitely a blessed morning uh uh, as i'm sitting here uh dialysizing now if that's a word
2: Well, you know, D- Daryl's a tenor, so we just got the bass. <laughs> are you my, doing home that's dialysis? My,
7: that's my early morning voice. Uh, <laughs> are
1: you doing home dialysis? Is that what you're
7: Yes. Doing? Yes, I, okay. I'm doing PD now. Yes. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
7: After, uh, this is my what third full week of PD. Mm-hmm. and. Oh, uh sure. Lost use of my kidneys during during COVID. Um, I was oh, in, intubated for 14 days, um,
2: oh, wow.
7: and uh, in the hospital 41 days. Uh, oh, I was wow. one of the first major cases here in Indiana, and um, they're calling me the miracle patient of IU oh, North. Oh, uh, oh. They didn't expect me to really make it, and um, but God had other plans. So, and what a I've been trying to get on this um, Zoom call for, oh, several weeks here since Daryl invited me. And I thank you guys, but, um, and thanks, John, for the introduction.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, so, yeah, uh, because Daryl had mentioned uh, uh, your case, and uh, it's nice to hear, hear how you've uh, survived and managed to be able to uh dialysis. Uh do the doctors expect your kidney function to return or what's the expectation?
7: You know, that's the fifty fifty question right now. Um they they still they everyone has hope, you know, and that's and that and I have hope as well. Um but right now they um they're not budging very well. My creatinine level is, is still high and um so you know, but I am still urinating. Um oh, that's a good thing. Know which is a good positive sign but and um i'm beginning to urinate even a little more frequently on my own so
6: dr calendar you know it's interesting that he says he's still urinating i always thought with um losing the function of your kidneys um and being dialysized that you don't you're not able to urinate. it varies
1: it varies it varies so I told
6: you about my sister's friend, and he's now on the transplant list, and um, I remember I mentioned the, uh, the fistula, and uh, he did get it, but prior to that, they did have to put the port in, and uh, they were using that, and I think today, they're going to start with the fistula, however, he urinates all the time, all the time.
1: Yeah, well, it varies from patient yeah. to patient, and, and the longer you're on dialysis, uh, the more well, likely you are to not make you urine, but it, it varies very much. Mm. Well, I'm glad you're doing well, sir. Yeah, we're thrilled well, to have
7: you. It's have a blessing to just still be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're
1: thrilled to
7: have you. Uh, and I'm sorry, I, I had to get on my phone so I could to, to join in, and I don't know, um, my camera doesn't seem to be working, so sorry. Oh, you can see me?
2: Yeah, it works good.
7: Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, well, you, you can see uh, what I'm doing here. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm doing this dialysis. So, uh, well, thanks. It's a pleasure meeting everyone, and, and I'll, I'll just listen in and try to learn something here.
1: And contribute whenever you feel is appropriate.
8: It's good good to see you having such a positive
5: attitude. That makes a big difference.
7: Yes, it does. Yes, it does. does. I just think think about, you know, the blessing of still being here. And uh so you know, hey, and at least I have my music, right, Daryl and John?
2: (laughs) (laughs) And
8: Rodney, John buchanan is also a musician. Hi, Carol. Hi, Rodney. <laughs> and uh, Dr. Callinger is also a musician. He's singing.
7: Oh, that's awesome. Well, I guess we can just have a Zoom recording session there. Yeah, we <laughs> could. Uh, <laughs>
1: if only somebody would listen. <laughs> uh, and, but you know, it's uh, interesting how in, in Europe, uh, they are having a, a upsurge of uh, the virus. Yeah, especially in the UK and other European countries. So, so we're not alone in uh, having. Uh, and then, of course, I guess after the Labour Day, uh, we can uh, things spiked again in a number of places. And here's the here's the dreaded uh, thing about choir practice. <laughs> uh, of the 61 people rehearsing, that's not fun. But anyway, uh, for those who want to start choir practice again, that's kind of a a warning. Uh, Anybody think that... uh, Oh, did you hear the latest uh, uh, battle with the president about uh, the FDA is talking about having tighter restrictions? for the vaccine that Trump is opposing it? Yeah. Tighter restrictions in, in what way, Doc? In other words, uh, uh, they may be upping the uh, requirement. Uh, right now, if, you have, if, if 50% of the people who get the vaccine uh, have uh, antibodies, that may have been uh, adequate in the past. And so they're talking about increasing uh, that, Uh, and uh, uh, Trump is opposing it because uh, who knows why? But anyway, he's opposing it. Hmm. You could you could think that it may have something to do with the vaccine being coming out coming out before the November election, but uh, we can't speak for him why he's opposing it. FGA having tiny restrictions.
2: They should have. You know, I I was thinking though that um, they said that they were going to prioritize the recipients of the vaccine. Right. With uh, first responders first, so the general public would not be getting it, and then, until later on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then then after that, the the people who are most at risk, like. Black and uh, pre-existing conditions, uh, and elderly. So the, right. the, the, the general population wouldn't get it until later. Right. But my question sort of is, um, OK, so they, if they start doing this, say, in December, it's going to take another two or three weeks to get that second dose, right? So they're still talking about two doses. Well, uh, th- remember, there's one
1: vaccine that only requires one dose. So it depends which vaccine comes out. Oh, okay. the, the vaccine that is, is at the forefront right now requires two doses, but there's a vaccine that only requires one dose. Oh, so it right, all depends right. on which of these vaccines become available first. I think that's
2: the one I want.
3: Dr. Connor, is there any way that they can test the strength of your antibodies?
1: from COVID? Yeah. Yes, they do it all the time. That's why they do antibody tests. Mm-hmm. For example, we had, all of us at Howard had antibody tests uh, so that they, and they, they can do it. They can do first tests to see if you have antibodies, then they can test to see the strength of your antibodies. OK. And, that, and that's, for example, that's how they get plasma and use it for treatment, because they find those people have high antibody titers. And they treat people with that.
2: So that's, that's a blood test, right? Yes, that's blood.
3: So what about uh, Rodney? Will he be on the list to get the vaccine? High on the list.
1: Uh, it's interesting because he uh, would have, would likely have antibodies already, and uh, so. Uh, of course, if he has age and renal disease, it would make him a priority on the list, yeah. Okay. Only question is, does he already have antibodies? Anyway, and how long do the antibodies last? We don't know the answers to those. This, this uh, article was a little, not surprising, but uh, uh, nonetheless, uh, worthy of looking at the fact that, uh, it's more likely to kill minority children as well as it does adults. Uh, It's interesting, three out of the four that were died were Hispanic, Black Americans or Native Americans. You know, when they talk about Native Americans, they they often uh, don't talk about uh, Alaskan Natives. And I wondered, uh, Wondered why, because they are in the same category are in many ways accepted. Uh, but anyway, they, they generally don't talk about Alaska natives. But anyway, I think this is a, should be uh, scary to, to, to parents who have their children going to school. At least minority parents who have their children. <clears throat> and it's scary for the teachers. Well, that, that, that already is scary. So that, was, that is automatically scary. Uh, but because, uh, yeah, that's the group that is uh, likely to become uh, affected by the disease and even killed. Uh, but uh, the kids have a better tolerance for it. And they <laughs> really have uh, uh, severe infections and die. And, but for us, minority parents, then that's really scary.
8: Dr. Callender, you just mentioned about Native Americans, Native Alaskans, what about Hawaii? Or anybody that was born in the land, even after America has acquired them?
1: That's that's an interesting point, because uh, we, we had a MOTEP chapter out there, and uh, they, they they aren't even addressed at all. They're Asian Pacific Islanders, and uh, uh, Asian Pacific Islanders in general, have not been in the high-risk group. So if they fit, and they do fit into that category. So it's, it appears as though Asians, uh, at least the ethnic group we call Asians, uh, are not in the high-risk group. This is an interesting graphic here. And it shows that Asians and, uh, i uh, was not likely to, to die in this one, but Hispanics and Blacks, Hispanics, what is interesting is that Hispanics uh, are almost twice as high as, mm-hmm. as Blacks and as far higher than any other group, and I think that is uh, uh, alarming to see them so much higher than any other group. This is, this is just dealing with children, though, right? Yes. Okay. Just dealing with children. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. You know, we, we learn so much, we, we learn how ignorant we are about the disease. And uh, as time goes on, we learn more and more. Uh,
5: but you have parents protesting to get their children back in school.
1: Say say what again?
5: I said that you have parents protesting to get the children back in school.
1: Yeah, I, I know that's what's interesting. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, I see, and they send the kids out with with protest signs, uh,
2: and but they they want the kids to go back to school so they can go back to work.
1: <laughs> that's really that's what it's all about.
2: Yeah, and yeah. Trump wants to, wants them to go back to work so. Yeah. Get get those kids back in school, then all the teachers will die off. Oh <laughs> boy! Oh, well.
5: <laughs> then they be right uh, back where they started. There you the go. need teachers yeah. in the schools.
8: Well, you know, DC is supposed to start back um, in yeah. November.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Which is gonna be interesting. Uh, and I think that's because the uh, the case. The number of cases in DC have dropped off and uh, the deaths have uh, decreased. Um, now this is a, an interesting article about vitamin D. We've had a number of discussions about vitamin D mm-hmm. over the last uh, month or so. And uh, this is an article that talks about people with dark skin versus people with light skin. And
2: um, uh, while wildly- I just wanted to clarify, Doc. doc this, this is uh, um, synthesized from that big report that Tatum sent out from, uh, from the NIH about vitamin D. So the, this is just part of, a small part of the article. I think it was like 28 pages or something 60. like that. 60 pages. 60 pages, yeah. 60 pages. Yeah. yeah. It's huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, but uh, yeah. it's the part dealing with us. Right. And
1: uh, one of the things about it, and of course, we don't know at all. How this relates to COVID. And I think that remains to be seen. And then I will have to be this. But I think this is a good uh, way of looking at. It. Now, somebody had asked about the level. I think the level is 30. Uh, and so if you're less than 30, you do need to take supplements uh, because uh, uh, low vitamin D levels are associated with uh, diseases. And uh, uh, disease is one of them, uh, and some others. But uh, but as you said, there's a lot of debate and discussion about that. But uh, this is interesting to show how, why our parents were giving us that cod liver oil, right? oh, yeah. which we
2: hated.
1: <laughs> I hated cod liver oil.
2: I kind of liked it myself. It was so nasty. Nice. It was good. <laughs> How can you like
1: carnival?
2: Oh. <laughs> I look, I look forward to getting it. I don't know why. Really?
4: <laughs> Anybody else
2: like carnival? No.
4: Yeah.
2: Uh, I hated it.
1: Yeah, uh, me too. But there was no escaping it. <laughs> Remember sardines? Anybody ever have sardines? Oh yeah, oh yeah, I like yeah. them too. <laughs> and then um, tuna fish. Those were the cheap things you could get sardines and the.
8: Yeah. Uh, was this, we could download this. I didn't get all of that.
2: Well, a- ask your husband.
8: Okay. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, yeah. John Buchanan, when you had it on your list, mm-hmm. I downloaded. I didn't get this chart and everything. Really? It to us?
1: Yes,
2: in there. Yes, in there.
8: It is. I'll yeah. look back through it again.
2: Because I got it. The way the, the the first thing that, that uh, your husband sent out was a 60-page was a article. Oh, that one. That's different. Yeah, I this... I
8: didn't read that because I don't like to read because I'm black. It was too still... <laughs> <Nope. laughs>
2: Oh, no. But, uh, yeah, so this I, I sent this out uh, about a week later, I think. Well, a few days later. That's it.
8: Oh, okay, and um, oh yeah, was,
2: yeah, my,
1: yeah. You sent us out last week. Mm-hmm.
8: Doctor Calendar, do most physicians know about this? Because my
1: yes. physician
8: doesn't seem to know about this.
1: No, but what what are you speaking of?
8: About the supplements, because he said that I needed five thousand.
1: It depends what your vitamin D level is. Uh, okay, but, and if you if you have a low vitamin D level,
8: and I thought that. Walking and all of that and getting the sunlight every day. I shouldn't have been that deficient. But
1: anyway. Well, you, you look at your level and see, see what it is. If it's less than 30, m- most uh, physicians would suggest that you need a supplement. But if, if you're at 30 or above, you don't need anything. And uh, uh, as you noticed from the article we discussed before, it's still very controversial as to whether or not Blacks need supplements. You know. Uh, but, But I think the medical position is that if you're vitamin D deficient that uh, the safer part of it is to uh, at least be at at the low and normal level the problem with vitamin D as you see later we have a paper on that is that it has its problems and it causes uh, a number of complications that need to be avoided so uh, uh, yeah, that's right. That's the, Too much of the vitamin is very detrimental. So you have to have a balance. And you have oh, okay. To, that's yeah. the one
8: I'm talking about. Okay.
1: Oh, oh, that's one you Okay. Yeah, that's a different one.
8: So you shouldn't take,
1: Dr.
6: Callender, so you shouldn't take a lot of supplements. I have a problem with my vitamin D level, and they said 30 is low. I'm yeah, that's, that's
1: the, that's the low, lower level of normal. 30 yeah. is normal. But that's the lower. And I'm at
6: 25, so I'm a little below so normal. And yeah, uh, I take um, D3 and it'll creep up and it's tested once a year. But this year I'm back down to 25. And so the doctor said, we're not gonna worry about it. Um, of course, they talked too about the sunlight. They said early morning sun, and usually I'll walk early in the morning. And that morning sun, they said, is very good for vitamin D. And I take that CitraCal D3, but it doesn't um, it doesn't move very high
2: the levels. I, I had a question about that too, Doc. Um, you know, Daryl was saying that that black people don't need vitamin D, and I'm 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 questioning not not the general idea, but the fact that each each one of us is not 100 percent African. You know that 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 might be at accurate for, uh, you know, native Africans, but when you come over here and you uh, you get mixed up with some other, you know, racial groups, uh, n- none of us, I don't think, is 100% African. Uh, just like we were talking about um, uh, sunburn. You know, uh, a lot of black people don't ever use sunscreen. I do, because I get sunburned. It's just my, my um my grandmother was was this color for real. You know, for real. This 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 is her complexion. And my grandfather was this complexion. Right. <laughs> so in, in, in between those two, I guess I got the, the part that's sensitive to to uh, ultraviolet. And if, if I don't put sunscreen on, it it's painful. And you know. And I I heard that too when I was growing up. Yeah, black people don't need sunscreen. Oh, they do. That's not true. But as a as a uh, a diver, I say
1: some some don't. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but but we burn just like we don't burn as much as they do. But we we burn as well. And uh, uh, <laughs> one of my most interesting observations of when I went to Africa was that. Uh, the uh, whites were putting on sunscreen to keep from being burned and uh, the blacks were putting on whitening cream so they could turn white so, <laughs> so <laughs> no one is happy with what they got uh, but uh, I think my, my opinion on it is that if you're if you have high if you have a low vitamin D level <laughs> you probably ought to take a supplement uh, if you're if you're uh, at 30 or above you probably don't need anything other than sunlight because that's the normal level. But uh, as, uh, as, as the article we discussed about two weeks ago, identifies that it's different for people of darker hue uh, so that one size does not fit all. And that there's much evidence that suggests that many of the uh, uh, black people don't, don't need to uh, take supplements. But, but I think the biggest problem is having too, too much. Too much vitamin D. That is a, a big problem. So so, but, so, so just- do white people
8: do white physicians and Asian physicians know this fact? Know do what? Know that black people are different as far as vitamin D?
1: Uh, I don't I don't know what others know, because I don't know about that. But I think the, the evidence, I mean, for example, the uh, discussions that, that we looked at two weeks ago is, is uh, common knowledge. That diff- and here's the other thing. There was no real conclusion that uh, this must be done this way. Uh, we just recognize that things are different. And uh, we still feel that if you have vitamin D deficient uh, you should uh, take some supplements as if you're vitamin D deficient and then the amount you take should be uh, limited because we know that vitamin D uh, is toxic and so and it's probably more toxic to us than it is to any other ethnic group.
2: So doc does a regular uh, physical and when you get your blood tested do they test for vitamin D I've, I've never sh- seen
1: that. They should for African-Americans because yeah. it's, it seems as though we are more likely to be vitamin D deficient.
0: Yeah, the vitamin D testing, that's a standard part of annual physical blood work.
1: The vitamin D? I, I've never yeah. seen it. Yeah. Well, it depends. I guess in Chicago it is. It may, you know, a, a good physician would do it, but I don't know that everyone does it. They should do it. Um, uh, but I think Dale is right, it, it should be part of your uh, your annual, of course, we now know that uh, uh, the annual is, uh, it varies on who you go to and uh, because uh, we also know that uh, the government doesn't pay for the annual physical. Uh, so it is a, that's another issue we have to Talk about it in our app, the fact that uh, and we did, but somehow I didn't see it in this some aspects of the app that we have to look at because I don't I think something's a missing from it. But that discussion about the fact that the annual uh, exam does not include physical,
2: uh, does not pay for physical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
1: Any other question? Because I think this is a very debatable issue in terms of whether or not you should uh, take a vitamin D or not. I, I, I personally believe that if, if you're deficient, that you probably should take a supplement. Uh, how much of the supplement is another question because uh, since vitamin D is toxic to us, we shouldn't overdo it.
3: Yeah. My question is, You know, we we talked about the low level being around 30.
1: No, the normal level is 30.
3: Yeah, okay. So now, uh, Carol's doctor, I don't know if she said this or not, because I saw an article which said that if you've got to go up to 4,000 units or 5,000 units, then you need to supplement with your diet. 5,000 international units is too much.
1: Cause
3: problems
0: yeah, okay. illnesses.
1: Yeah, that's right. No debate on that.
0: The article I sent a couple of weeks ago said that with Black Americans, 2,000 units or more supplement increase all mortality rates and likelihood of osteomalacia, uh, bone softening or rickets, and so uh, and it also it raised uh, risk of cardiovascular accidents among black Americans, but they don't have enough studies to say what is a good level of vitamin D for black Americans, so it just hasn't been studied. That's right.
6: That would be interesting. I have some friends, and everybody thinks they're a doctor, and now with COVID, um, I have some friends that read up on it all the time, and Janice, you need to take two to three vitamin D pills every day, because me and my husband do it all the time. (laughs) There's a limit. You just don't keep. Um, I don't like taking a bunch of pills. I really it's dangerous. Don't.
1: I do it's dangerous.
6: Take vitamin D level, but I'm not going to double my dosage. No. Um, is there a max? When is it really toxic? And what's
1: toxic? Oh well, this that's what this article is about. This article indicates that uh, too much vitamin D causes problems, including, as Daryl said, cancer and other things. And increase the mortality, uh, so that uh, uh, I think you should take supplement that uh, allows you to get close to 30, if possible. But
3: uh, following your
1: friend's advice would be a, a mistake.
3: Right. The yeah, other I think yeah. the article said, Dr. Candler was that you know you try to supplement vitamin D with your diet. That's very important.
1: Well, I, I, yeah, I think you should do both. And, and if you can, uh, and if you recognize the things that increase my vitamin D, that's why that table on the last slide was so important. And if you eat more of those things, you, you would find that you would need less uh, vitamin D supplement. Probably. Did
3: anyone uh, give, give any feedback on the uh, vitamin D article that was 61 pages? Any feedback from that?
2: Yeah, we, we just saw that, that, John. I guess you must have been on the phone. Yeah, you're probably on the phone we
3: talked about it. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so that basically,
1: uh, my as I said, it, it's still debatable. As, as Darrell said uh, appropriately, they haven't done as many studies with us as they've done with uh, white folks, and so some of the answers remain to be seen. We know that uh, we tolerate... Low vitamin D levels better than other ethnic groups, we also do not tolerate high vitamin D levels so so you, you really need to be uh, uh, mindful of the fact that vitamin D supplements are toxic, and so taking more than five thousand units international units is not wise, especially not for us. Uh, Callender, I have a question, if
7: you don't mind.
1: Oh, that's what we're here for. Okay.
7: Um, With the, uh, because I'm a newcomer, so to speak, to the dialysis world, I know that they have uh, mentioned to me um, my protein level, you know, keeping um, the dialysis takes away a lot of your protein. My problem is with COVID, I have found that, uh, one, I still have a loss of appetite to I don't have, you know, I have a big loss of taste. And then now with filling my membranes up with two and a half liters every time I, I dialysize, um, I just don't have um, any room to, for a lot of food and stuff. So what do you suggest in order for me to, is, is like the protein drinks or the protein snacks enough? If, if I just don't want to consume a lot of food?
1: I think the protein supplements uh, are are good in terms of getting you to the protein level that you need to have. Yes, I I think there's a place for protein supplements, and they have a number of them. uh, Do you have any taste at all?
7: Yes, I do have taste. It's just not, it's very bland. I mean, Uh it's it's extremely bland.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, I think those protein supplements
3: would be helpful for you. Thank you. Let me yeah, ask you. Uh, are we talking about things like ensure? That, uh, yes. Ensure.
1: Yes. Things like that. Yes. That's a protein shell.
3: Yeah, I used to like ensure. you know, because of the way to get some vitamins in you and have it. So.
1: Well, it becomes a special problem when you don't have. Much taste, and that's what happens mm-hmm. with COVID and, and other viruses. That's why take away your I, taste.
3: That's why when I drank that in I would get chocolate. I get vanilla. I'd
7: get <laughs> yeah, they um they have been supplying me with a drink called Nova. It's supposed to be for renal patients. Yeah, uh, and. Um, so and then of course I, I like the insured chocolate. So between the two of those and then these little bars that they've been giving me, um, to you know to try to get my protein levels to to stay up. So you know, hopefully, prayerfully, these kidneys will come back. But you know, <laughs> uh, uh, um,
8: um, Dr. Calendar, my question is, I thought when you have COVID nineteen. Okay, you lose your sense of smell and taste, so they say. I thought after you got through with your episode, it returned. That means you lose it permanently, or what? Some
1: people, it varies from patient to patient. Some patients have returned promptly, and some people never have returned. Now, I've got to understand that never, we've only been dealing with this disease for less than a year so we don't know what never really means so it may well come back after that but there's a number of patients who have a uh, long delay for the taste uh, by the way are you on peritoneal dialysis Rodney
7: uh yes i uh-huh. have yeah. i i just started like i said this i'm in my i think this is my third full week of PD. Um, mm-hmm. well
1: that's yeah. the best that's one of the best types of dialysis peritoneal. this dial.
7: That's what they kept telling me. And that's, you know, and I've been very aggressive of trying to, uh, you know, get through this thing. So um, I, I was all ready for it. I'm ready for a transplant. Let's go. <laughs> okay.
1: Well, give it give it a chance, give it time, because it is clear that pertinent dialysis is a, uh, one of the best types of dialysis because it gets you closer to normal than actually a hemodialysis. But well, plus, definitely. it has its, its, its ups and downs as well.
8: Um, this- I think a couple other people that are on this are also on dialysis.
1: Yeah, by the way, what, 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 we haven't seen Kevin in a while. How is he doing? Uh,
3: okay. He doesn't have a computer, but he uses his mother's computer. So, Carol's going to get in touch with Miss Reese and see if they can get back on
1: because yeah, we miss him. He he was on peritoneal dialysis for years, and he did, he did pretty well with it. Of course, he's had he's just got a transplant uh, about what what is about eight or nine months ago. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Tatum,
2: well, I,
3: mean, I have a question. how
1: long were you on dialysis for? oh well, How long were you on the hemodialysis?
3: Me, I was on uh dialysis two times the first time was four years and the second time was three
1: years okay so you you, you're an expert on hemodialysis then
3: (laughs) yeah i was getting ready for home dialysis but just when they brought the equipment to the house i got another call for a transplant
1: and and is carol ever (laughs) happy? We got Cheryl and Pearlene.
5: Both are on. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah, I'm on. I'm on. Yeah, I'm on dialysis. Yeah. Uh, how things Chemo. going with
3: Pearlene?
5: Chemo. Well, are you good? know, I've been ripping and running and working as well, but I'm doing good.
1: Glad to hear that. I'm
5: Glad adjusting, that. but I, I'm still waiting for a transplant.
1: Good. You, are you on the list yet?
5: You know, I this, this is the funniest thing. I've done there all my tests and I haven't heard from the team, so I'm gonna give them a call and find out what's going on.
1: Please do, right? You remember our uh, history, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah, okay. Now, this is just a, as we now move to another era in the practice of medicine, telehealth services now are with us, like good and uh. Uh, it's important. This is an uh, article talks about tips to better uh, improve the telehealth business. And uh, from many perspectives, the uh, physician's perspective.
0: I'm hearing some machine noise. Somebody may need to mute.
1: Well, they heard you, so they muted it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, start it again. Yeah. And know.
3: Who is that? John Buchanan. It's mine.
5: Oh, okay.
1: So, uh, um, now this is uh, what is interesting about it is that uh, sometimes you forget that you have to dress professionally for for the visit. So, the doctor has to uh, look like the doctor. So, (laughs) <laughs> the other thing, of course, is that uh, now that uh, it's interesting, they talk about it it's just like you're going to be on TV, so you uh, uh, you use the kind of colors that are friendly. Uh, they talk about putting your patients at ease and have any of you had some of these telehealth calls or visits?
4: Yeah, yeah, I did.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. What do you think about these points that they're making?
4: Yeah, they're very nice, very good. I like them.
5: Okay.
2: I haven't had any. <clears throat> my uh, my telehealth visit was was pretty flawless. It was, uh, it was kind of uh, complex. Kaiser has their own um, uh, proprietary. Uh, tele telecommunication with the doctor and the patient. Uh, I got on Zoom with my wife and got her to. Yeah, I shared my my screen from my doctor, so my wife could actually be on the call as well. So that was, that's a whole nother level, that, you know, is yeah. possible with telehealth. Yeah.
3: That's good, because uh, Dr. Callender always says that it's good to go to a a doctor's visit with your spouse, you know.
1: Significant other, right. (laughs) I'll go with spouse. (laughs) That's because you have a spouse. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Uh, Now, this is something that may be hard to do, just a note-taking for health visits, because... Uh, you, you remember how, we, how, how patients don't particularly like it when you're looking at your computer instead of them. And so if you're taking too many notes or a computer, then uh, you have to be careful and know how to do that. And, and, and not make the patient feel as though they're an outsider. Yeah. Now this, of course, would be ideal because I think that very few patients actually ask all the questions they want. And after they leave, they go and ask somebody else, well, what did the doctor say? And uh, th- at the end of the visit, you should uh, review and uh, make sure that you are together on the treatment plan. It's Very important. For both sides. For the doctor to give you a chance to do it and then also... Uh, for you to understand everything.
8: Dr. Callender, I have a question um, about what they dress. Um, When you started, every physician had to wear a white coat, right? Yes. Okay. When did that change? Because I know one time when I went with my sister-in-law, and he just came out in his regular clothes, casual, and I was saying, wow, it just seems so different.
1: Mm-hmm. I never, I never seen, I never seen that.
8: Okay, well, we remember that position she was going to somehow miraculously he's not working anymore. But anyway, <laughs> that we know of, I was just wondering: do the modern physicians, or the ones that are just getting out of medical school, do they not wear lab coats or the white coat? Or we
1: wear, we wear white coats.
8: Okay. Always
1: they're, I was they're say, trained they're trained to wear white coats
8: even the white ones even white doctors
1: <laughs> yes doctors of all ethnicity <laughs> oh,
8: okay. so when this doctor didn't wear his white lab coat he was just being kind of
1: plastic <laughs> he's different right and that, that's not that's not the normal way we do it so
4: Dr. Callender, calendar. I remember yes. when doctors used to wear that white cloth. Uh, I mean, white coat. Yes, lab coat uh, every time. But now I didn't see them in jeans. Now, forty years ago. Now I see a lot of them wearing jeans.
1: Well, if you ha- if you have a white coat, people may not notice the jeans. But uh, uh, as a matter of fact, the white coat is supposed to. Uh, Get you to focus on the coat and not see the jeans. So uh, we don't we don't talk so much about what you wear under the white coat, uh, but uh, uh, we do talk about the fact that you wear one.
0: Doctors wear a fresh white coat every day?
1: Don't have to, it doesn't have to be the fresh new white coat, but it should be a white coat. And I, it would be ideal to do a fresh new one, but it's not always uh, because theoretically you you, you may wear that white coat whenever you go to see patients.
3: Have you ever heard the expression, the white coats are coming? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep. coats.
8: Now nurses, and I know we got two or three nurses on here, they've changed their outfits because it used to be in the 40s and 50s, maybe 60s, nurses wore all white. right? Mm-hmm. Right. And now yeah. when did the nurses
1: change? Yes. Yeah. Well,
4: any comments from the nurses on board? Yeah, when I graduated from nursing school in 1968, I mean we had to wear caps, white dress, no earrings, just the wedding ring and uh it was very strict. Hair all the way up like buns. But then through the years late 70s and all that, it started changing, you know, and uh and now they wear scrubs. We weren't allowed to wear scrubs. And uh, 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 I don't know what they do on the wards because I worked only in intensive care unit and dialysis. In dialysis, we have to wear scrubs. Uh, so I'm not sure what they do on the wards. Oh, by the
1: way. I
7: teach. We, I work for IU Health North as well. I'm a simulation technician, and we teach first, second, and third year med students. We teach and test. And what has happened with dress code, basically, is depending upon the department you work in, like at um, in Indiana, you'll see most of the nurses wearing red. They'll wear red or they'll wear blue if you're working in an operating room. Uh, Like you said, they'll be wearing scrubs, they'll wear blue scrubs, or nurses on the floor will be in red or even sometime yellow. They have, uh, again, it depends on, If you're working in ICU or BCU or this and that, it just depends on where you work. But everyone is supposed to be in uniform and everyone is always supposed to have an ID, a visible ID. Those are the two things in the medical field now that are mandatory.
1: Yep, that's right. But by the way, Dr. John Robinson had to go back to the hospital. Oh, Oh. Oh, my goodness. so he he told me to greet the group for him. Okay. Uh, he's back in Washington Hospital Center now. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he, he didn't thrive
0: at home, so he'll come back to the okay. Oh, keep him in your prayers. Yes. Uh, okay. Lab code, if you were the second day, is that potentially a health risk to either patients or the doctor? Webcode.
1: Say Again, uh, Darrell.
0: If you wear that white lab coat the second day, is that potentially a health risk to either the doctor or patients, that coat?
1: It may be a risk to the to patients. Yeah, it may be. You're right, uh, not, Especially in this day and age
2: now. It's a fomite. I don't think there's
1: any debate about that. comment about this, uh, you know, there's an article in, in th- three weeks ago in the newspaper that talked about uh, wearing masks and how uh, you can avoid some of the side effects of uh, um, your glasses being blurry. Those kinds of things. Uh, and so uh, some people don't like to wear masks and they have some have good reasons for it. They can't breathe with it. And uh, so, but masks are thought to be the best way to do it. Uh, shields are good also because most people forget that you can protect the virus through your eyes. And there was a study that uh, evaluated the ability to get COVID-19 people who wear glasses and people who don't wear masks wear glasses and they found that the incidence is much lower in those people who wore glasses and so uh, which uh, fits in with the principle that we had in the operating room where we wore a shield and this uh, uh, but many people don't realize that the uh, ACE2 uh, uh, receptors are in the eyes and so therefore the eyes as well as the respiratory tract is a source for uh transmitting uh, COVID.
7: Well, I, sorry, Dr. Connelly. I'd like to thank everyone for inviting me to this and Daryl for sending me the link and inviting me to this meeting. Unfortunately, I have to go to a dialysis clinic and I need to go get ready for that. So I have to be there about 11 o'clock. So um, I definitely will, you know, join in. I'm, I've learned a lot this day. So I'm glad that I was able to, to participate this morning.
1: Well come back again anytime. We would love to have
2: you. Well Rod- that- Rodney, can can you put your email in the chat and you know we'll uh, send you all of the articles.
1: Oh, sure. No
7: problem at all. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. And everyone have a blessed day as well.
2: You Here do you. Thank, you. thank you, Rodney. Thank you. Rodney. Thank you. John John Tatum, did, did you have a a brother named Rodney as well, as I did?
3: Yes, we did.
2: Wow. So that's, really? Mm,
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> How about that? That's another connection.
1: John and Rodney, huh? Mm-hmm. That? Mm-hmm. You know, when, when we talk about the proper way to wear masks, you, you see so many people with uh, masks and they have the, the nose out. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it offends me,
4: yeah. but
1: uh, I, I don't.
4: Me too.
1: Uh, nowadays, when you talk about it, you might get in a fight. But anyway, <laughs> that, 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 that's problematic because what's the point if you got yeah, your nose Right, off? Right, right.
8: Um, Dr. Callender, yeah. I remember the time you said you spoke to someone in the grocery store about not covering their nose and how insulting they were. Right. I, right. I went into a party store and every single employee in there, nobody's nose was covered. Just really? Wow! And I started to say something to the manager, and then I remembered what you what happened to you when you were in the grocery store and the <laughs> about, about not wearing their mask correctly. So, just to avoid conflict, I decided to leave all of them alone. I will never go back in there. But nobody in that whole store that was an employee had their nose covered.
1: Yeah, see, I'd, I'd have to, I'd have to say something <laughs> because that's that's not, that's not right.
8: Then
5: I'll call you up and I'll take you into the store. Well, the other day I just went into Target and they sent me a survey and everything was fine, but I, I put in there, I put a line, it was like anything else you want to include. I told them, well, all the employees have on masks, but they don't have, all of them don't have over their nose. I said, so it's not protecting them or the customers coming in. And of course they they asked for my number and I said no I ain't giving my telephone (laughs) (laughs) But I did I did tell them, you know, they need to make sure their nose is covered or or what's the use?
1: That's well spoken. Well spoken. Yeah that's right. uh, But but, but you're right, people get very offended.
4: Yes. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, when I do go out two or three times a week to the grocery or you know, to a car dealership service department, I make it a point to jack up everybody I see who's not wearing their mask correctly.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but see, now how tall are you? Six two. Yeah, well. <laughs>
1: Wow. I mean, it's harder. <laughs> yeah, I'm
2: I'm I'm five seven, and I go out walking. I've been walking like four times a week, five miles, five and a half miles. Wow! And uh, I come into contact with a bunch of people, and most of them are this complexion, right? And uh, a lot of them still haven't got the the, the message about wearing masks. Um, most of them do, I think, have the mask on, but a bunch of them don't. So I end up, I cross the street or walk in the street, yeah. you know, to, stay away from these people. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, it's almost like I could tell the Republicans from the Democrats. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is which, Jump?
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I think you know the, the Republicans. Yeah. <laughs> The Republicans consider it uh, uh, social, not not social, but uh, personal a violation of their individual rights. (laughs) Somebody somebody (laughs) to tell them to wear a mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's idiotic. Yes, to me.
1: Um, It is, it is,
2: it is. But they're
1: following the president.
3: (laughs) Yeah. He's their role model.
1: Right. I made
3: a quotable statement the other day. I said, not voting is as bad as mm-hmm. not wearing your
1: mask. All right. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, especially today. It's right. Right. This is probably one of the last ones. We're going to have to do, do a, a lot of these uh, next week, but because okay. it's getting close to the time. But this is something that uh, the observation that uh, obesity does exacerbate a coronavirus infection. And uh, since more than 40% of the Americans are overweight, uh, this becomes an issue. And of course, as you know, obesity is associated with increased kidney disease, diabetes, and, and the list goes on. Um, so, But this, is, this association with COVID is something that uh, uh, that has been observed. And, uh, it's dangerous
0: i was reading where 51% of black americans are, are obese
1: yeah over over 45 yeah that's right which is uh, scary uh that um you stand alone uh, Darryl, with your bmi <laughs> uh yeah because uh it's you know when you when you look around and you see people, you recognize that uh, most people that you encounter are overweight. Actually, the, overweight is is not it. They're talking about obesity, which means more than thirty BMI. Overweight is between twenty five and thirty. Uh, and the why's are, uh, are interesting. Why should you immune didn't have anything to do with it? But for some reason, it's, it's the case.
3: Has something to do with your immune system. When you're you're obese, it probably uh, predisposes your uh, immune system to lower. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The question is
0: why, though. Oh. <laughs> yeah, And when you look at Europeans and Africans and Asians, the rest of the world, uh, the rate of obesity is so much lower, you don't see many fat people walking around.
4: That's true. That's true.
2: at yeah. home, eating.
4: Yeah.
3: You, you, you're right. I went to uh, eight cities in asia and everybody was thin except, yeah except for this uh, sumo wrestlers but everybody else is walking the street we're all thin thin
8: Everybody's yeah thin. but you just hit upon it they were walking they were <laughs> walking. yeah they don't have cars and all that but you
2: Yeah. but you didn't see the fat people they were home eating <laughs>
0: the American diet is the worst. Okay, well,
8: our diet. You know, and then moving.
1: Yeah, okay. I think we maybe we can do one more and then we'll uh, call it a day, okay? okay? Now this is this is a uh, article included because uh, the, the medication that they talk about that uh, Raise dementia risk are commonly used. We talk about benzodiazepines, which uh, are anticholinergic drugs, which uh, are commonly used uh, drugs. And uh, to find that uh, benzodiazepine, but that's a name that uh, may not uh, connect with you, but when you talk about Valium and Uh, those uh, anti-anxiety medications, just about all of them are benzodiazepines. And uh, then when you talk about uh, other conditions, like uh, GI diseases and Parkinson's disease, most of the medications that they give you for that are are anticholinergics or... uh, benzodiazepines. And so uh, these are common drugs. And that's kind of a little scary.
3: They seem like they're on the uh, pain-relieving side.
1: Well, those are not uh, pain-relieving medication; They're anti-anxiety uh, medications. And then those, they're also the anticholinergic. So, for people who have GI problems uh, and uh, who have uh, dyspepsia and uh, uh, reflux, acid reflux. And uh, so uh, th- these uh, findings make you uh, concerned. It's interesting how so many. You know, I guess there's no drug that doesn't have any side effects, but uh, uh, just about anything else you want to take has got side effects. Um, One of the things that uh, is interesting to me me in this article, they don't uh, really point out uh, which which drugs that we commonly use are uh, dangerous i know what they are but uh i think one of the things in this audience they may may have not pointed them out because of uh afraid of being sued by the drug companies but uh, people take medications for anxiety for sleep for uh as a reflux, I uh, have to be concerned about this.
2: Okay,
8: dokey I'm Dr. Callender. I know when I was taking care of my mother and uh, because she came to live with me because of dementia. But I realized that after she stopped taking all that medication and found a physician that took away mostly all that medication, she began to improve. So, sometimes, and you know, remember the um, doctor that you brought in for us, geriatric? Obesia son. uh Uh-huh, he was saying the same thing, that elderly doctors are prescribing too much medication for elderly patients. Yeah. Rachel. That's
1: true. true. Rachel. Okay.